Why do you do that? Why do you believe that? Why did you say that? Why? The why question, in order to answer it, it limits us. It limits you. Uh, in order to answer the why question, you have to be willing to be put in a box. It's a very pointed question that really only has one answer. I want to change the question to why not? Why not is liberating. Why not has freedom that is in that question. To answer that, it, it may be different. Different answers. This morning I want to ask you, why not you? Why not you? Several weeks ago, uh, Greg did a sermon on the mission of First Christian Church. And he put the, the mission on the screen, and we'll put it on the screen here for you as well. Um, to love God, build the church, reach the world. Uh, you go from church to church. Most churches have the same mission statement, maybe a few different words, but in a roundabout way, it's the same. And it should be, because the mission was given by Jesus to his bride, the church. Since that Sunday, Greg has been going through a series on core values. And these core values are things that you and I should value no matter where we're at, who we're with, 24-7, seven days a week. And we're going to talk about the core value of service this morning and how no matter who you are, how long you've been on this faith journey, you should value service. It is these core values that if we embody them as a group of followers, this movement that was started long ago called the church, we will be the church, God's church in Clinton, Illinois, and in Dewitt County. So on this note, I want to ask you again, why not you? Why not you? Why not you be a part of this movement that was started by a guy named Jesus who claimed to be the son of God, who many people didn't like when he would talk and they tried to get him to shut up, and then they killed him on a cross hoping that that would be the end of it, but then he was buried, and he rose again three days later, and people are still talking about this same guy, Jesus, today. That's the movement that the church is, and that we, as Christ followers, when Jesus is our Lord and Savior, we get welcomed into that, that grand movement. Now, um, as I was trying to prepare for this message... I tried to think, okay, I'm asking all of you, why not you? Why not you be a part of this movement? And when it, in the context of service, I was trying to think, okay, what, what kinds of responses would I get? And I have four different categories, if you can put, them in, put us, all of us into categories. 
as to how we might answer that question. The first one is, uh, I don't know where to begin. I'm interested. I don't know where to begin. Two, I am serving and I love it. Three, I'm serving, but I dread it. And four, I'm, I've put in my time, it's someone else's job now. Not interested. I'm not interested in serving. In a roundabout way, that's how we answer the why not you question. And so I want to share with you about a guy that I met in 2011. His name's Chad. And he was asked the why not you question as well. Uh, Chad lives in Bloomington. Uh, I met him in 2011 when I went on a mission trip to the Philippines. And it was a, a mission. All, a, a bunch of us college students from ISU were going over there for two weeks. And, and Chad was not a college student, though. It was very obvious that he was on the trip with us uh, for different reasons. Uh, Chad is an alum of the campus ministry at ISU. However, he didn't go to school at ISU. He didn't go to college. Um, he, he applied to many different colleges, never got accepted. But during his, you know, 20-something, early 20-somethings, he was a part of the campus ministry, and so he knew Pete Coco, and, and now he's been out of college for... Uh, like five years or so, something like that. And that's when I met him in 2011, and he had started a web design business. And in his field of business, uh, he kind of gained this love for the Filipino people. Now, you see, he went on a mission trip to the Philippines when he was a part of the campus ministry. Now he is not um, much, much older now, but he still has a heart for the Filipino people. And so while we were doing our mission in the Philippines, he was off hiring, doing interviews and hiring some of the Filipino people. Because here's what he was thinking. In his line of work, he can do double the work when you know, his people in Bloomington are, are doing their web design stuff. They go to bed. Well, people on the other side of the world are just pick up where they left off. And they're able to get more work done in his business environment. But here's the other thing that Chad learned. In the Philippines, their biggest export is people. And I'm not talking about the, the sex trade or modern day slavery or anything like that. Here's um, what's interesting is the island is overpopulated. The economy is not very good. And so the government there makes a deal with their people that if you're willing to work, we will allow you to leave the country, go somewhere else in the world, do work there, but you have to promise a certain percentage has to be sent back home to the mother country, to their family or their friends, and get spent in the local economy. So usually what happens is when these Filipino students, if they reach the university level, they already know by going to the university level, they will not be staying in the Philippines when they graduate. And so it is a ministry strategy that there are campus ministries over there where they are pressing the gospel into the hearts 
of young Filipinos, and then as they find a job in England or America or wherever, uh, that they will be taking the gospel with them. It is some of these students that Chad wanted to hire for his business. Now, during my trip, Chad is off doing his business work while I'm with the college students and we're doing our mission with the universities. But there was one day that we did a fun day and we went to the beaches of the South China Sea. And there should be a picture here. That's the South China Sea and really, really blue water. It was crazy blue. Um, and I remember sitting at, I got a lovely picnic table here as a visual aid for us this morning. Um, it's very heavy, by the way. Um, but I remember sitting here on a picnic table. Chad was sitting on the other end, shoes off, feeling the sand in between my toes, the, the water's out, out there. And I just leaned into Chad's life, and I asked him, Chad, you know, why are you here? This is where I'm learning about his story and how he got a heart for the Filipino people and his business. And I learned that he developed a heart for missions when he was uh, in college, college age, sorry. And he went to Kenya. And while in Kenya, he, he met some people. He met a, a guy named Pastor Shadrach, and they did a lot of great work, a lot of the typical stuff that if you've been on a mission trip, you would, you know, serving in an orphanage, a school, a hospital. Um, but something happened. On their way home, the people that Chad was with, they immediately started talking about meals that they were going to have when they got home, or the clothes that they've missed, or Man, I wonder what new music got released uh, back at home. Can't wait to listen to the radio or um, just all these conversations of they just can't wait to get back home. And they forgot about what they just saw. I mean, they were serving people. You show me pictures. They were serving people who literally skin and bones and they're on their deathbed, children and adults. They looked into the eyes of human beings who they knew full well within this next year they will die. But with the flip of a switch, they get on that airplane and they're talking about nothing about what they saw, but only what they could wait to see when they get home. That upset Chad. Uh, Chad got real mad. Uh, Really mad, actually. I mean, he was, when he was telling me the story, he was saying things that I cannot say uh, this morning. Um, but he got back, and he met with his pastor, and he told his pastor all of his frustrations. And his pastor said, Chad, what upsets you the most? Like, why are you, like, we're meeting in here. Why, why are you mad? Boil, you know, give me a couple of big bullet points, you know? And Chad answered and told them what things really frustrated him about, you know, just everything that they were talking about when they were on the plane. And the pastor looked at Chad and he said, Chad, why not you? Why not you do something about that? And from there, Chad started a ministry called Goya Ministries, G-O-Y-A, Goya Ministries in Kenya. And... Um, 
they have, since he started, they built an orphanage, a school, a hospital, um, lots of different things on top of what is a, a landfill in Kenya. It's, it's worthless ground to the Kenyan government. About three or four years ago, the Kenyan government, without any, without any uh, warning, came in with bulldozers and knocked everything down that his ministry helped build and knocked down homes. People died without no warning. Chad woke up one morning and uh, was just told about the devastation. And again, Chad was reminded of the question that was given to him by the pastor, why not you? Why not you, Chad? You do something about that. And Chad got up and he went and he did something about it. And he told people about the story. He showed pictures. It was a crisis. And within that year, he, he got some like $250,000 or something raised and they started rebuilding again. And they've rebuilt several since in the last three or four years, sent out missions and stuff. Now here's something I didn't share with first service that I'll share with you. He's got a brilliant plan. And, my, and remember, this guy didn't go to college, okay? A lot of us buy into the, the idea that in order to be successful, you've got to go to college. Not that I'm underselling college, but um, Chad has a business He's invested in the Filipino people, and the money that he is getting, he is now investing in Kenya and pouring into these, this ministry that he started. Chad needed somebody to ask him, why not you, Chad? And I need that question asked a lot. And I've had many of you in this church who have sat down with me a time or two, sat across a picnic table with me and said, why not you, Cody? Why not you? You do something about that. That's a crisis. Today we're going to be in Judges 6. It's a story of Gideon. And what you need to know about this life of Gideon is God's people are oppressed by the Midianites. Uh, they have fled. They're living up in the mountains. There's not a lot of hope. There's a lot of devastation. Their reality is awful. But what we find in this story is in their oppression, God had a big plan of rescue for his people. He had a big plan. They didn't see it in the moment, but he did. And what you need to know and understand before moving forward is God is still a God of big Plans. And when I say big, I mean big, with a capital B, capital I, capital G, big plans. And with or without you, God's big plans will happen. So just a, a little word of encouragement, jump on board. Why not you? Be a part of this movement. And as you may look at Chad's story that I just shared you may think, well, Chad had special gifts or special, you know, he had money or, you know, he had certain talents that I don't have. No, Chad didn't. Chad didn't. The greatest of things from God do not require you to be gifted. They require you to be present. 
They require you to be present. That's it. Chad was present, and he said, God, use me. And God used them for big things. So, I'm coming back at you with a question. Why not you? Why not you be used for big things? Judges 6, starting in verse 12. Remember, we're jumping into this story. There's a lot of oppression here. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. 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 Sorry. And I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. All right, so here's the thing. Right from the get-go, the Lord addresses Gideon as a mighty warrior. The Lord is addressing you today as his people, and he is saying, I believe in you. You can do it. I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, I can't, or my life is too boring, or I got too much on, on my plate. Nope. The Lord believes in you. You can do it. Verse 14. In, in the verse, it actually says here that uh, the Lord said, am I not sending you? Am I not sending you? The Lord asked Gideon, why not you? Why not, Gideon? In verse 15, Gideon answers with a bunch of excuses. Well, this and that, and why me, God? Why, God? I'm not good enough. The words of Gideon here basically are saying, Gideon is saying he's not good enough. I can't do it, God. And we do that all the time, don't we? We get nervous when we really see God working in our lives because our knee-jerk reaction is to say, I can't do it. But God says, you're a mighty warrior. And let me tell you right now, God loves the outsiders. He loves outsiders. He loves the weak. He loves the lonely. He loves to use people who the world would say uh, they have no value. They can't do anything. You want to know why God loves it? It's because it's through those people that the Lord's name is, is shouted from the rooftops. That when people look at that, all they can say is God was in that. That was God. That ain't man. That's not the world. That wasn't because of money. That wasn't because they're rich or they're talented. It's because of a big God that that, that person believes in and follows and trusts. God asked Gideon to take a stand and to do something. 
I started thinking of kind of like Chad here. He, he had faces of people, names that came to his mind when he heard about the bulldozers coming in and knocking down these houses. Chad knew people who were in need, who need the gospel, who have needs that need to be met. And so I started thinking of faces and names of people that come to my mind that are in our community. And I started listing off the poor, the abused, the abusers, the drug addicts, families with special needs, the single parents, the depressed, the lonely, the dying, the recent devotees, the, the widows, and the list can go on and on and on. And as I listed those, I hope there's faces and names that come to your mind. Those are the people who need to be encouraged and loved on, who need to be served one way or the other. All right, I got three points here. First one, do something now. Do something now. What is going on in your life right now that you can step into and say, I'm going to do something? Small or big, don't even think about, oh, that's not enough, that's not good. Don't even go there. Just step into the life of one person. Whether that's in a formal capacity here at the church, or it's just sitting at a picnic table and leaning into somebody's life and just asking questions to where you're looking them in the eyes and you're seeing them the way God sees them and trying to understand who they are as an individual. Discover what they're passionate about and what burdens them. Two, do something scary. Hopefully your mind is kind of rolling into, you know, what people can you step into their life? And some of it might be scary to you. And if it is, God probably wants you to go there. If it's not scary, pick something else. Chapter 7, verse 2 in, in Judges here, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. I love having a plan. I'm type A. I love lists. I love Lessons, I love curriculum because it, it's, it's got structure and, you know, I love all of that. I love planning. Gideon had a plan. And God came in and he said, too many men, Gideon. And he knocked his army down to 300 men. You bet Gideon was scared. If it's not scary, it's not big enough. Majority of people are taking the safe route. God's people need to take the dangerous route because behind us is a big God. There's no reason to be scared. And here's the other thing that I want you to ask. Put yourself in the shoes of the 300 men that went with Gideon. Think about the story that they get to tell their grandchildren and their children, their parents and all their family and friends about how awesome that was. They were on the front lines and seeing God work. And they have a story that they can tell. Think about all the men that went home. They have no story to tell. 
They don't have a story at all. They weren't willing to go into a scary task and allow God to use them. Three, keep doing something. Keep doing something. If you're already doing something, keep doing it. Don't stop. If you're, you know, in that category of uh, I'm serving but I dread it, maybe you're serving in a way that isn't um, fueling your passions. But don't stop serving. And if you're in that category of I served once upon a time and it's somebody else's job, you know, somebody else needs to step up. No, God's people need to step up. If you're a Christ follower, jump in. It's a grand movement that we're a part of. Judges 8, 22 to 27 says this. This is towards the end of the, the story of Gideon. The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, you, your son, and your grandsons, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. Gideon, you are awesome. Be our leader. It goes on to say, but Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, nor will my son rule over you. The Lord will rule over you. And he said, I do have one request, that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder. And then it goes on uh, explaining what all Gideon did with what was given to him. And by the end of this account, the Israelites end up worshiping Gideon and his family and history. All that they can think about is what they once did or what God did back then with Gideon. Like, that, that was awesome. You remember that time when 300 men, da, 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 and they destroyed the Midianites? That was awesome when God did that. That's great. Like, we need to remember those things. We need to remember where God has brought us. But there's stuff to do today. And there's stuff that God wants us to do in the future. And we can't get stuck on worshiping what happened back then. We got to keep going. Keep doing something. Don't stop. Well, someone who um, I respect dearly, um, his name's Bob Phillips, and I contacted him earlier this week, and he's actually doing a communion offering today, which I had no idea uh, until then. Um, but Bob is, as a young person in ministry who has a lot to learn, um, Bob is one of those where I love sitting across from him at a picnic table and leaning into him and learning things from him. And so I asked Bob to, if he would come up and just share a, a few words, kind of giving all of us in this room a charge when it comes to this grand movement that God has called us to. Hello. Is it working? Testing one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven. Hey, Thank there you. you go. Thank you, Cody, for the kind words. I began preaching in 1950. My heart is filled with memories, fond memories of people who blessed my life and Joanne, my wife as well, with examples of service. Some of you may remember that <clears throat> years ago, Lincoln Bible Institute, now Lincoln Christian University, sponsored a summer youth rally. And um, teenagers came from all over the state, surrounding states, to participate in a talent rally. Teen choirs, some of the young men, 
preached, solos, then they had uh, awards for the various um, participants. And after I moved to Pennsylvania, I, I left there, left after graduating uh, the following spring, moved to a ministry in Pennsylvania. I wanted to bring a truck, uh, a busload of teenagers back to the Lincoln Rally. And uh, I learned of a man in the community that had 25 or 30 school buses that he leased to the school system. And he also owned a skating rink. And on the weekends, he would take those buses and go out throughout the county, pick up kids and their parents, bring them into his um, skating rink. So I went to see this fellow. He had a horse, and he was out to the county, uh, county barn taking care of his horse. And um, he was not a Christian. His language revealed that. That horse had some strange names, as I have. Um, long story short, I grew up on a farm, had a pony, had a horse. So we had some things in common and um, shared with him. Long story short, God used me as an instrument of bringing that gentleman and his wife and their only daughter uh, to the Lord. And it was um, it's a fond memory today. Not many weeks after that, he came to my office and said, Bob, for, 40, for 55 years, I have lived for Elwood Holt. Everything I've done has been for Elwood Holt. He said, I don't know much about the Bible, but I'd like to learn more about the Bible. He said, I've spent all these years for me. I want to spend the rest of my years serving the Lord and other people. He sold his buses, sold his skating rink, went off to Roanoke Bible College, and spent the rest of his years on earth serving the Lord and serving other people. George Edwards is a member of the executive board, 15-member executive board that uh, <clears throat> gives direction to Little Galilee. George came to me one night at a board meeting and said, Bob, I want you to read this letter. And um, single page, single space, three or four letters, handwritten. And it's about a little girl who, along with her, par uh, her parents and family of six, moved into the community several years ago. George called on the family, invited them to come to the church. The little girl, age 10, was the only one that came. She came against the mockery and discouragement of the rest of the family, but she came nevertheless. Family didn't, family didn't have much. George paid for her to attend Little Galilee. And before the week was over, she made known her desire to accept Christ. George went to the camp, baptized her in the swimming pool. Family didn't have a Bible. He bought her a Bible. Thirteen years have passed now. The family disappeared not long after all this took place. And George had no idea where they were. George opened his mail one day, and here was this letter. And the girl writes, now she's a young lady, writes to apologize for never thanking him for sending her to camp, for never thanking him for buying her a Bible. And she writes to apologize and now thank him. And she says, I would like for you to know that I am now a devoted Christian after all these years. I am married to a wonderful Christian young man and sort of in the Paul Harvey format of things, now the rest of the story she said, I want you to know also that now my mother and my father and all of my brothers and sisters 
are devoted Christians. Folks, when you serve the Lord, there are great dividends that come. God planned it that way. Find your place of service. It may not be as dramatic as selling your buses and your skating rink, but you have connection with people. Find the joy of sharing. God will bless. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. Those stories that uh, Bob just shared, uh, you can imagine people that were a part of that story were scared. There was for sure some scary moments when you're giving things away and just going where the Lord is leading you. But um, that's where you start to see uh, eternal impact and knowing that you're investing in something that will last longer than today and, and forever. That's huge. It is uh, my, my greatest joy to inspire you today to do big things. Whether that is in a formal capacity within this church, serving wherever it may be, or it's in a more informal, informal role across the picnic table, or something like that, leaning into the life of somebody, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion, other than you're letting God use you. And you're letting him use you in a very scary way because that's when you start to see blessings. You, you start to see God working in awesome, big ways. And you're part of this big movement that is changing lives for the name of Jesus. So I'm going to let that challenge be figured out by yourself. For some of you, uh, you know, you've been making too many excuses like Gideon, and you haven't jumped into a more formal role when it comes to this local church at First Christian Church. Some of you are already there, but you're afraid to lean into the life of someone in your personal family or friendships where you need to go grab a coffee or a lunch or something and, and really discover what they're passionate about and what burdens them and give them that listening ear. It's going to be different for all of you. So today on the topic of service, this is not a sign up, you know, to serve in this capacity or that capacity. It's much bigger than that. Much, much bigger than that. And our God is a God of big plans. So if you're not part of this movement, be a part of it. Uh, you know, as Christ followers, it's more, it's kind of a demand, really. I mean, it's what you signed up for when you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So the bottom line here, why not you? Why not you? Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for your son Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. It's a privilege to be welcomed into this grand movement that is changing lives for generations to come. Thank you to those who are here who are on the front lines of that and I ask that your Holy Spirit will nudge hearts and whisper into ears that need to hear they need to jump in. They need to join the movement. 
Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that he provides the reason why we gather together in 2017 in Clinton, Illinois today. Thank you for those 12 disciples who jumped in into a scary situation and they jumped in 110% and said, yes, use me, God. I ask that I will have that heart and that all of us here today will have that same heart. Use us, Lord. See you in your name we pray. Amen.